look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on uh, 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, we talk a lot about volatility in markets and yeah, a little bit the noise that goes on and, <laughs> and listen it can be scary right we know this it can be really scary particularly for people um, who are moving into retirement or living off of their assets the sensitivity to the swings that they see in their portfolio can on be really both bad. sides on both sides you recall there were listeners of this show that called us up mm-hmm. when the, the dow jones was hitting all-time records mm-hmm. and the s&p in the united states was hitting all-time records and uh, they were calling us saying are you all in the U.S. because that's the best place to be? And then the opposite side of that is when they when they hear a trade war or 400-point drop in the yeah. Dow Jones or whatever, uh, they uh, they get concerned right. about the downside. Are you are you staying out of the U.S. now? So they're they're relying on I'll call it market timing because they're 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 the volatility up or down. Uh, really affects them. Yeah, and I don't even think it's a it's a market timing call for them most of the time, Fizzle. It's more just an emotional response. Like when you get scared, right, it forces people into making bad decisions. And so we want to talk about the psychology behind that because I think uh, the more education we can do around that for people, the better armored they are against falling victim to one of those bad emotional decisions. We've got Daniel Crosby joining us today. He's a psychologist and a behavioral finance expert. Uh, he's also a New York Times best-selling author on market psychology, so no, nobody better to help us understand a little bit about the impacts of this uh, than him. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. All right. So let's let's talk about this. We you know we we haven't had a lot of volatility in the last two years. We start this year, uh, late January. It starts to spike up, and now we got all kinds of volatility because of you know all of the macroeconomic noise we hear. When it comes to investing, particularly for the you know the risk adverse investor, walk us through a little bit about some of the uh, the mental traps that someone might experience. How well there's there's all kind of things. There's actually 177 different documented sort of behavioral biases that investors fall into, <laughs> and so some of my work has been around taking those 177. Uh, because it's not very useful for you to say to your clients, look, there's there's 200 ways that you can get this wrong, uh, to, to really drill down and see what are the handful of psychological tendencies that underlie these. And there there are four or five, you know, I'll start with one. One of them is this tendency we have towards ego. Um, on average, we as a human species are overconfident. Uh, this is especially true of men. You know, in my, in my latest book, I I cite research that, that showed one study found that 94% of men uh, thought they were better looking than average. 100% of men thought they were friendlier than average. Uh, we're just prone to think we're, we're better than we are at these things, and the market <laughs> is no exception. Right. And that can lead us to take some outside risks or uh, not work with someone who can help us or do any number of, of silly things. All right. So, yeah, 177. I'm not sure we have time to do justice to all of those, but it is, it, it is interesting. I, I am curious if you can speak to whether or not there's any differences between men and women in this respect from a behavioral perspective. Yeah, there, there are large differences, and none of them look good for, for the men. So women, both in retail, uh, you know, sort of mom and pop uh, women, as well as hedge fund managers and uh, professional women, outperform men at every turn. 
Uh, single uh, single women outperform single men by about two and a half percent a year. Um, the best the best investors of all, on average, are married women. Uh, but even uh, single folks tend to do worse than married folks. But married women beat uh, married men, and women across the board show better behavior. Uh, they're more patient. They trade less. They weigh probabilities more effectively. Uh, so it's a shame that they're underrepresented in in professional circles, but women are better than men almost across the board uh, by virtue of being less arrogant and more patient. <laughs> That's interesting because anecdotally we can talk about some of our clients and when we have couples, especially when they manage money separately. Right. So he has his own accounts managing his money his way with us, mm -hmm. and then we have his wife managing her money with us separately mm -hmm. and the disciplines the conversations the approach they take to the money what they what they value behind that money what's the the reason why they're investing it is completely different and you do have different conversations with them and we find at least anecdotally with our clients there's some that are that are more um more active ego kicks in yeah. or greed kicks in fear kicks in yeah. a lot faster on the on the uh the men's side than it does on the on the women's side with our clients. Yeah. Now, in your in your bestseller, the personal benchmark. I like the idea of the personal benchmark, by the way. But it's called personal benchmark integrating behavioral finance and investment management. Can you give us that maybe at, at a high level frame this for us a bit, Daniel? In terms of some of the um, I don't know the framework or the rules. I'm not sure if those are the best words, but the framework of the rules that you would highlight at a high level. If somebody wants to integrate both, you know, their the psychology of investing, but also, you know, good investment management that would meet their needs. Well, you you set me up there nicely for it when you were talking about how women tend to take a more values based, goals based approach. Uh, personal benchmarking is all about uh, ensuring that you have the right goals and the right expectations to live the life that you want to live. And not benchmarking to an external index like the S&P or the Dow that you mentioned uh, earlier in the program, mm -hmm. but really understanding, sitting down with your advisor, understanding the returns that you need to give to, to live the specific life that you want to lead and not taking any more or any less risk than is necessary to live that life. And so that makes sense. But, you know, uh, that makes sense intuitively. Everyone's probably nodding their head to that pretty, you know, sensible statement. But it's not something we do. And the fact that we have, you know, the S&P and the Dow and all these updates on our phone and we maybe don't have our personal goals so ready at hand means that they can get crowded out. But my, my very favorite study from Personal Benchmark uh, talked about a group of low income savers who were barely scraping by. Uh, having a hard time setting aside money for a rainy day. And when the researchers, they tried carrots and sticks, rewards and punishments, nothing worked until they finally, uh, before these folks made a decision, they had to look at a picture of their children for five seconds before they could, uh, you know, make a spending decision or a saving decision. And when they looked at this picture of their children before making a big financial decision, their savings rates ticked up 250%. So that's what personal benchmarking and goals-based investing is all about to me, just keeping the things that matter so deeply to you uh, top of mind and having them inform all of your financial decisions. 
you know, Daniel, I totally understand and agree with you. Every time I come to work, I got to deal with Dave Popovich. I have to look at the pictures of my kids and say, why do I got to deal with Dave? And that's exactly why I come in the office every day. It's my kids. It's not Dave Popovich. So I totally get that. I totally get that. For the kids. Do it for the kids. <laughs> exactly. I like, it. I like that, that visual perspective. I think that's a, a very uh, key piece. So why is it that some people, whenever, even though they know um, what kind of rate of return or savings goal or any type of objective like that? Why is it that people try to um, still want more or try using different benchmarks? Um, it's funny because some, some people that we've talked to have changed their benchmark year over year based upon which is the best performing benchmark of that year. And why didn't we do last year? You know, yeah. like why didn't we do that kind of return on that one benchmark in our entire portfolio? And they, they, they steer away from the Well, you only need X percent, but you want more than X because the benchmark said, so what's, what's the feeling that's going on there? And maybe you can help us understand why does the individual investor feel that way or act in that certain way? Well, you're exactly right. You know, when you look at the U.S. that's done so well over the past few years, now suddenly no one wants to benchmark their life uh, to a diversified multi-asset class portfolio where they should truly be. They want to benchmark to, you know, just the U.S. Well, no sensible investor has 100% uh, of their portfolio in, in U.S. equities. And so, yeah, that's a that's a trap that we fall into is having this this moving goalpost. And, you know, there's such a huge gap between knowing what to do and then doing it mm-hmm. uh, because volatility makes all of us stupid. I, you know, I talk in The Laws of Wealth, my, my new book, about uh, research that was done that shows that the average investor loses 13% of their IQ during periods of market volatility and, you know, frankly, some folks don't have an extra 13 percent they're working with. And so and so when they're, you know, even if they know, even if you've taught them all the right lessons, uh, they're sort of out the door when you need them most, which is why I think it's so crucial uh, that in addition to the education that that, you know, I do and that folks like you do, they also need someone to hold their hand in that moment of fear walk them back and, and sort of intervene and say, look, you, you can't do this. You're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we want, we want all the wrong things at the wrong time, right? We want uh, when, when the U.S. market has run up seven years, eight years in a row, now we get excited about the U.S. when it's expensive and unattractive. So we are, we are wired to be horrible investors. I mean, I say, uh, I say that God or nature couldn't have created a worse investor than you or I, uh, which is why we need someone to, you know, sort of hold our hands and walk us through it. Okay, let's take a bit of a break there. You're going to join us. Uh, stick around. You'll join us after the break. But, uh, Faisal, before we take a break, we're going to talk about these the structure, right, uh, and properly protecting yourself against yourself so that you can enjoy the lifestyle you've envisioned in retirement. Yeah, we call that the five-pillar investment strategy approach that's designed to help you profit and protect in these types of markets. We'll discuss that on Tuesday, April 24th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op One Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. And stick around after the break because we're going to continue the conversation with Daniel. He's going to talk about some of the strategies to help you become a better investor and hit your personal benchmarks. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. All right, welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on Newstock 770 and uh, More Than Money. We're talking psychology, my friend. And we've got uh, Daniel Crosby with us. He's a psychologist. He's also a behavioral finance expert and New York Times best-selling author on market psychology. And you and I both know from personal history that 
um, psychology, behavioral finance has such a big role to play with how people react both positively and negatively to what's happening. Correct. And, and I think we've learned very early in our career, in fact, even before our career started, that we were not wired to be good investors ourselves. Right. And so we had to adopt some sort of discipline. Right. Um, and when we, we adopt the discipline and we stick to it, over time, it reaches our clients' goals. Sure. And so the, the hard part is even when we start seeing the markets rally or we see the markets fall, we have an emotional reaction, you and I. Yep. We sit down, we discuss, debate, throw things at each other, stuff like that that happens in our in our investment war room, I call, I call, I call it. So yep. the, the interesting part behind that is that when we step aside and we take a break from our our emotional reaction, we go, let's go back to the math. Let's go back to what's what's right for our clients. It's it's interesting to see how we go through that. Can you imagine a person who's not in, responsible for other people's money, what they go through, and they're responsible for themselves while dealing with their goals, their family issues, whatever else may come up. It's it's You're juggling so many things, and, and sometimes you focus just on the money, and you think that's going to solve the other problems. And we've had many individuals come to us and have – concerns about whatever's going on in their life, but they're really focusing on the portfolio until we dig in right. and they go, this is what's going on in my life, my children, my spouse, whatever's happening in their world. And then they come back and go, well, I'm just trying to focus my attention on the money because those problems are, I think if I have more money, it will solve those problems. <laughs> and it, it doesn't always work that way. So, so Daniel, I'll bring you back in here. And my question to you is, should the surgeon be doing emergency surgery on a family member? Because that's what we're talking about when you get when you get trapped in these emotional uh, decisions around your money. Yeah, emotion is uh, one of the uh, most powerful ways you can get messed up. And you know, emotion is such a, a powerful thing. It's a it's a mental shortcut for us. And in uh, you know, if you're running from a tiger, emotion is a very powerfully positive thing that will activate you to do the right thing. Uh, if you're trying to make investment decisions, you'll do just the wrong thing. So chapter four of my new book says uh, the name of the chapter is if you're excited, it's a bad idea. So <laughs> I'm a believer that, you know, that that good investing is boring investing. Uh, and, you know, you need a professional in your corner uh, to help you, uh, you know, help you make sure you're not making exciting investments that are poor decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's let's talk about some strategies yep. that we can help these listeners to become better investors. Give us some strategies that we can use today uh, to become better investors. Okay, so the first thing, you know, I go through 10 commandments, right, in my book. The first of them is just for your listeners to understand that they are what matters most. The best predictor of whether or not they get to their retirement goals uh, is not what you know world leaders do. It's not what the market does. The research shows that you are the best predictor of your success or your failure. And it's boring. It's boring stuff. The blocking and tackling of investing, mm -hmm. setting aside a little money each uh, each month, you know, managing your fees, these sorts of things. So taking ownership of that, I think, is the first uh, and most powerful thing that someone can do. The second thing that I think they need to do. Uh, is understand that you can't do this alone. You need a professional in your corner because there's such a huge gap between knowing what you ought to do and, and doing the right thing in that moment of fear or greed. So I cite research in the book, actually research out of Canada, uh, that shows that people who work with advisors uh, are, are twice as happy, they're three times as prepared, and they tend to do three to 4% better per year net of fees and you know the impact of three and a half four percent over a lifetime of investing is it will double your terminal wealth 
And so all of the research shows the reason these people are outperforming is not because, frankly, uh, their uh, advisors are putting them in the hottest mutual funds or anything that's outperforming. It's because they're saving them from themselves. They're keeping them from being their own worst enemy. And that is the most dramatically positive uh, thing that an investment professional can help you do. And that's little understood, I think, by the average client who thinks that they've hired sort of a, a local Warren Buffett who's going to put them in, in high-flying stocks. So what are your thoughts when it comes to those um, do-it-yourself investors? I'm going to use robo-advisors because there's really no emotion when you have a robo-advisor working with you. Um, there's no conversation per se mm-hmm. on, on calming people down because you know people who are, and I'll, I'll use the best example, exchange-traded funds or ETFs. When the markets are volatile like they've been since February, you see massive outflows of ETFs. And the, the, the reason why ETFs, or one of the reasons why they had ETFs put in was you can buy the market at lower fees. So over the long term, you'll make more money versus an actively managed who can't uh, perform equal to or better than the market. But we're seeing people have take money out of the ETFs. And that, that, that's a reaction mm-hmm. to a long-term approach. So, so what, what's the... Um, what, what's the what's your feeling towards those types of investment approaches, do-it-yourself or discount brokerages and, and robo-advisors? Because there's many Canadians who are going to be uh, are in or going to be looking at that as an option for their financial future. What are your thoughts behind those? So there there are things um, there are things that robo-advisors do extremely well, and there are things uh, about which I think they're entirely unproven. So the thing that uh, robo-advisors do well is they can come up with a nice, low-cost, well-diversified asset allocation for you. They can do that as well uh, as, as any advisor on the planet. Now, what they are unproven at, because most of them are only five, six, seven years old, and it's been an extremely uh, heady, bullish time to be an investor, what remains to be seen is if people continue to make good decisions when times get tough, when there's a 30 40 50% drawdown in equity markets, uh, will those robo-advisors be able to hold the hand and constrain the bad behavior of those investors? I think that that is uh, questionable. Uh, it remains to be seen. But I think the, the efficacy of robo-advice lives and dies uh, on their ability to do that because, once again, it's that and not market returns that drive this great performance over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that people can override uh, that robo or do it themselves, they will tend to make all the wrong moves at the wrong times. So I'm, I'm an investment advisor myself here in the States. I've written you know three books on behavioral finance. I have a PhD, and I pay a financial advisor to manage my money because I know I'm as stupid as the next person when it comes right down to it. Uh, and when things get scary. Yeah, it's the surgeon doing emergency surgery on their family, right? It is uh, it is a behavioral issue, not a not necessarily a mathematical issue. I think that's I think that's really interesting. Um, I, I contend, you know, we've often heard that the market is driven by fear and greed. I think it's only by fear. It's the fear of missing out or it's the fear of losing money, but um, so be it, call it what you want. Maybe just talk to us briefly about that before uh, before we have to wrap up this segment. Sort of those two uh, overriding general principles and um, and how do people give me some idea of how somebody might catch themselves those guys who think they're better than what they are how do they catch themselves in that thought process and say oh I better take a deep breath here 
Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the, the best things that I think you can do is keep a trade journal. Like if you if you are intent on trying this yourself and you want to see if you're really uh, as, as hot as you think you are, uh, is to keep a trade journal. I had a friend uh, call me recently who is not in the industry, who's not a professional investor, and said, wow, I've, I've gotten these incredible returns yeah. uh, picking stocks in my own account over the past five or six years, and I'm thinking – that I may want to get into the business. And I said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. Let me, let me see your track record a bit. And it was, you know, worse, worse than a buy and hold index investor. Um, but we don't remember these things accurately, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we, we attribute more greatness to ourselves than is likely do. We don't, uh, we, <laughs> we don't attribute that to just a rising market lifts all boats and then simultaneously, when things go bad, we do blame it on externalities. So the, the human tendency is when things are going well, I did that. When things are going poorly, I blame someone else. And so those those two reflexes uh, are, are pretty damaging when it comes to trying to be a money manager. So I think, uh, you know, if you're intent on doing this and you think you're great, uh, keep a trade journal and know, uh, know in financial markets that you can get the right results uh, for the wrong reason. That's yeah. a very tricky thing about markets uh, is that you can r- be right and still be a moron, as I say. And so you have to do this for, you know, for, for long periods of time to know if it's due to your skill and not to luck. Daniel, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, Daniel Crosby is a psychologist, a behavioral finance expert, also a New York Times bestselling author. And I think, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of validity to what he's saying, right? And we talk about it maybe in slightly different language. We talk about the context of the money. I think we have to start educating people, Faisal, about going down that path, particularly in retirement, about attaching a context to what the money's supposed to do, right? That was the picture of looking at your kids. We've got to look at a picture of what it is this money's supposed to do. What's your vision? And build yeah. a strategy to that outcome, right? And not worry so much about what the best performing equity index is because you get trapped on the wrong side of that and we know what the uh, the outcome is there correct yeah i think there's got there's an opportunity to to learn from this and we should re- you know we'll, we'll wrap that up on the next in the next segment as well yeah so let's uh let's talk about our upcoming seminar here uh and invite people up because we're going to talk about that structure the context of the money and how to position a strategy to meet those long-term objectives. Correct. There's a mathematical formula to get you to retirement and through retirement, because I think a lot of people are good at getting them to the retirement spot, but who gets them through the retirement zone? That's what we're going to talk about on Tuesday, April 24th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right, we're talking about context. Stick around after the break, because we're going to talk about what those retirement investments can actually do for you. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.